Hi, Taisei. Hi, Alex. How's it going? The pinnacle of excellence, one might say. Oh, really? Wow. Not not particular. No, I'm kidding. It's it's not going that great. Um, it's okay. How's it going with you? Uh, I'm doing fine. Just gonna turn up my mic volume a little bit. There we go. Is that better? Is that louder? Is that stronger? Uh, you I might be clipping so. a bit. I'm not sure. Like, uh, I would, I would turn it down a bit. Okay. Well, according to the ZenCaster audio, you're definitely louder than me. But okay, I think really it tells oh, me it's the other way around. Interesting. Huh. Strange software this is. Oh wait, I I would I would have always assumed that like the lines look the same for both of us, like the audio lines. Yeah, you would think so, but mine are significantly smaller than yours. Yeah, mine are Bizarre. significantly smaller than yours. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Has this been going on the entire time? Oh God! Uh, this is unfortunate. This is kind of cracked, but yeah, it it, it does tell anyway. me. Anyway. Strange, strange, strange discovery. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, you learn something new every minute. So uh, we watched the Oilers this week. The Oilers lost every single game this week and yet still managed to go 500. What an incredible achievement. <laughs> um, on, the, on the NHL website, they show on the standings a streak. When a team's won like seven games in a row, it's like W7. And when they've lost four games in a row, only in regulation though, so it doesn't give you a great idea. It's like... L4 or whatever, you know? And this is the first time I've ever seen an OT3 next to a team because the Oilers lost in the shootout and then in the shootout and then in overtime. Uh, and they were all very high-scoring games. Uh, one of them in which they came back from down uh, 2 nothing and then 3-1. to one, And the other is in which they blew 3 nothing leads both times and lost. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know if I've watched a more, like, score-wise, just entertaining week for a team. Um, just just by the sheer volume of goals, and how went, and yeah, all of them went extra time. Um, it it has to be said, this team is having some roster issues presently. First of all, they're like sick of shit apparently, and like Drysdale didn't look great. Um, but apparently he's also sick at the same time. So uh, along with a bunch of the other roster, apparently there's some flu going on, and because they're so cash strapped, they can't even really call anybody up, and they're running like what twenty. 20 like 20 players including the goalies right now um maybe that maybe they so maybe they're tired but either way made for some entertaining bad defensive hockey yeah and it doesn't matter how tired you are you should be able to recognize that Stuart Skinner should is should be your starting goalie and Jack Campbell right. played every single game this week you know uh, not including extra time four goals then four goals then five goals Look bad. And I think what I was talking about, one of the reasons I wanted to watch the Oilers was like, oh yeah, Jack Campbell kind of looks maybe back on track. He's like, he had won seven in a row. And then all you did was like pull up his game log and it was like, he's fine, but like he's still giving up a lot of goals and the Oilers are just scoring a lot when he's playing, uh, which was still the the case this week. Uh, But he has not looked any better despite the fact that uh, he's now, I think, 7-0-3 in the last 10. Yeah, absolutely. This guy, like, uh, I think I, this, I saw a tweet just earlier today, um, kind of comparing the the, goal, the two goaltenders at five on five uh, over just even the recent stretch where you know Campbell's supposed to have been better over five games over the last fifteen starts, um, both of them, and Campbell's consistently just hovering around nine hundred. Uh, meanwhile, Stuart Skinner is at a nine fifteen. He just happens to get he's unlucky. 
You know, he just gets significantly less goal support for some reason from his forwards uh, when he's playing compared to Campbell, um, which is why Campbell has such a good record. Uh, but I think it's quite apparent. There, there are a number of goals uh, where it's like, you know, Campbell looks at, doesn't look good at all. Uh, yes. So let's start with the first game of the week. 5-4 shootout loss to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, it starts with Clint Costin getting a penalty. Uh, and Dylan Larkin gets a, a puck down uh, on the goal line after a pass from Fabry and uh, makes Jack Campbell look terrible. That's how the week opens. Yikes. Uh, yep. one nothing Detroit. Uh, then, more excited with a somehow even worse goal, uh, a <laughs> backhander from like near the goal line that goes off of uh, Philip Broberg, off the post, and in a minute 2 nothing Red Wings. Uh, Nugent Hopkins got the first Oilers goal in the second period on a, a silky backhand pass from McDavid uh, as Darnell Nurse hurdled himself straight into the net, uh, which made it 2-1. to one. Then uh, Robbie Fabry uh, uh, gives it to another power play goal. And the the Red Wings, I don't remember who had the assist on these goals, but even on the first one as well, Larkins, the Red Wings moved the puck around so easily on the power play, exactly where they wanted all the time. And the Oilers' penalty kill looked so bad, I was inclined to look up uh, where they were in the league. And indeed, they are 26th ranked uh, penalty kill in the NHL, the Oilers are. Yeah, no, it's awful. They just... You know, on all these goals and, and really all these opportunities, they just they're left with too much space and too much time where you know Robbie Fabry can go and pick a spot. Um and yeah, I don't know what kind of system Jay Woodcross running, but you know, they're collab they're just slow and they're collapsing too much. And it's it's a horrible looking it's well, it's not just the the penalty kill. It is also defensively. Um, but it's yeah, just it doesn't look like it's an efficient system whatsoever. And yeah, and that's why they're giving up so much. I think Woodcroft maybe is uh, employing this like, oh, it's the penalty kill, it's defensive time. We got to use our bottom sixers, a.k.a. our worst forwards, including, you know, Derek Ryan, Warren Fogle, uh, Ryan McLeod. And of course, like the defensemen aren't so great to begin with either in general and the others. I feel like this Oilers team could take a book out of, uh, or, you know, could do it would do well to uh, study the uh, Oilers of the 80s would often put out like Gretzky and Curry or Messier and Glenn Anderson on the penalty kill and then they would constantly lead the league in shorthanded goals yeah absolutely I mean I know like was it like Mitch Marner does that in Toronto right he plays a lot of the penalty kill minutes there's uh Mm -hmm. you know no reason really to reserve this time for your worst players if it means putting your worst players in the most vulnerable position for an extended period of time that seems to me like a recipe for disaster yeah, because, like, you put out McDavid on the power play, then all of a sudden the other team, you know, has to split their attention between, you know, trying to score a goal on the power play and being afraid that McDavid's going to blow by you and score a goal. Oh, 100%. You got the defensive, they can't pinch as aggressively because if you know you lose that puck battle, McDavid's blowing right by you. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Something needs to be revisited here in Edmonton um, because, yeah, just overall defensively, it's a it's a liability. But particularly on the penalty kill, um, there's just there's just too much time and space. These opponents are you know imposing their will on the Oilers, uh, and yeah, that, that needs to be fixed. Um, but uh, the Oilers get one back. Back to the game, the Oilers get one back. Are you know Nugent Hopkins scores another one yet again. McDavid making it all happen here. You know, he, like single handedly gains the zone as he does he like tips a point shot with one hand with one hand on the stick gets the rebound and then like you know just happens to find rnh with a perfect cross lap pass for just like a tap in 
Uh, I was did you just say RNH out loud? I did say RNH out loud because why not? Cringe. All right, no longer. I, I'm cr- I'm gonna eliminate her from the lexicon. Never again. I use it as a right. shorthand in my. I use it as a shorthand in my notes, but saying like JVR feels cool to say out loud and normal, but RNH like it ends with an H. Like I don't know, it, it sounds very clunky. You're absolutely correct. Um, moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ali Mata. Nice segue. Thank you. He of 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 new contract extension this week. Uh, takes a one timer. Uh, make a four two. Uh, you know, Jack Campbell probably should have had that one. Went over the pad under the blocker, which seems to be a you know a bit of a weak point for him, letting in all sorts of fucking goals all over there. Uh, but uh, the Oilers do claw back. Leon Draisaitl gets his you know one timer from this from his spot on the power play, make a four three. Derek Ryan tips at Clem Costin point shot, make a four four, uh, and they go to the shootout where uh, McDavid is the only one who can score for the Oilers. Was it David Perron and Pius Suter? Make yes. it five four. Uh, That's the game. Worth noting, uh, this shootout went five rounds. Yep. Um, which I only mentioned because the next one goes six rounds, which the Oilers also lost. So you know, I mean, in a sense, these shootouts were even more coin flippy, you could say, than other shootouts. Um, because you know, I feel like the most optimistic of Oilers fan would look at this week and be like, oh. Every single game, you know, could have gone either way. And the uh, more pessimistic would say, uh, you know, would point out the fact that they're terrible defensively and that in the upcoming two games, they blew massive leads. That's fucking right. I, it's, it's, that I would 100% agree. This is not a bad team, but the way they're playing is clearly extremely unsustainable. Case in point, they lost all three games. Um, but also, they're just like a mess. They're an absolute fucking mess to watch defensively. Um, but yeah, speaking of those next games, you had the Rangers. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins opened the scoring uh, with a power play ah. goal. He, yeah, that's right. Fucking banged in a rebound. Uh, that uh, little, skirm- little scramble that happened uh, thanks to Zach Hyman. Um, Tyson Berry scored to make it 2-0. You know, buried home a little loose, loose puck, being the offensive defenseman he is. Um, and that was, you know, shout out to the, the to the Warren Fogel line. This was like, you know, when you know it's a good week when they contribute two goals uh, that week. Because honestly, I don't expect much more. Um, but that was a, a decent shift. They all got a plus and maybe two assists. Uh, Derek Ryan scored immediately after, make it three nothing. Uh, and at this point, you know, the Rangers look completely bent out of shape. I was having a laugh because I hate the Rangers. Uh, and it was a good vibe. <laughs> um, Chris Kreider. Made it three one, nice little passing play with him and Panarin and Zibanejad. That's on the power really, play. On the power play, that, that kind of was like, woof! You are really letting them do that in your own zone. Yep, uh, there is another instance of Oilers being in uh, in power play shambles or penalty kill shambles, um, and it, it would uh, not be the last time this week, uh, or with defensive breakdowns in general, or this um, game, but the. Huh. Okay, yeah, or, or this game, yeah. Uh, then before the end of the first period, uh, Oilers make it 4-1, or or specifically McDavid makes it 4-1 by rushing in on three Rangers, getting a shot off, recovering the puck, and centering to Leon Dreisaitl, uh, making it 4-1, but that would be the last goal that the Oilers scored in the game. Um, then, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the Rangers got a shorthanded goal in the second period. It was uh, Chris Kreider on a uh, stretch pass from Adam Fox. 
Uh, then Jack Campbell actually made a few kind of like ridiculous saves. Some might say lucky saves. One Filipino shot that like went off his mask. One crazy glove save on on Jimmy VC from from right in tight. Uh, just examples of Oilers breaking down defensively, and this rare exception of Jack Campbell bailing them out. Um, then third period, the Rangers continue clawing back. Uh, Lafreniere gets a, a pass from Kako. Uh, coverage was blown by uh, Evan Bouchard and Philip Broberg on that one. Defensive breakdown. And then the Rangers get a, a five-on-three with about seven minutes left. Zibanejad gets that uh, goal from the slot with Jack Campbell kind of just like standing up and barely moving. Yeah. Uh, and then in the shootout, this one goes to, to round six, as I mentioned. Lafreniere gets the winner, backhand five-hole, game over. It has to be said, after that Zibanejad tying goal, fucking Rangers almost won it in regulation. Panarin had a nice chance and Campbell bailed them out. And in overtime with Heidel another chance, Campbell bailed them out again. So it's like, you know, Campbell wasn't great yet, you know, because he gave up four fucking goals and yet he could have given up eight. He could have been worse. This is how bad defensively this team is. This could have been done in regulation very easily. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another case in point as to those most optimistic Oilers fans who say that all the games were coin flips, maybe being a little bit delusional. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Uh, they probably should have lost that one uh, even earlier. Uh, and yeah, the shootout what was it. And like nobody scored for like five fucking rounds in a row. That's ridiculous. Uh, uh, but yeah, that was. I yeah, yeah no, they did. I think Nugent Hopkins got a goal and then Kako got a goal and then it went to round six. Yeah. Well, that that I'll grant that the uh, shootout is the coin flip. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, Oilers completely fucking blew it. Um, you know, they really had nothing kind of going on, uh, after they went up 4-1, uh, even, you know, and it just, yeah, it was, it was all Rangers, extremely embarrassing. And it, if, you know, it felt inevitable almost that the Rangers, that the Oilers would cough this one up because it was completely, it was completely slanted. Yeah. And Tarasenko wasn't even very noticeable in this one. No. Um, I think he actually, this is moving to the Rangers briefly. I think I checked after Jimmy VC actually had more ice time than him. Woof. That's not a good look. Tell you that. Way to go. Yeah, Gerard Gallant already. <laughs> Vladimir's already in the doghouse. Um, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, that might be a bit of a stretch. I think he played about 16 minutes or so. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's still the whole, like, got to get acclimated to our system type of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that develops. We'll see how Tarasenko, after scoring in his, his first game, uh, melds into with the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, definitely these... It's interesting because, yeah, with these earlier deadline, like pre-deadline trades, they get that extended acclimation time. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I wonder if it, uh, it it works out and gels. Because otherwise, you know, this they, they, if they if it does work out, the Rangers make me... They're, like, uncomfortably good, you know, as, as a hater. I got to <laughs> say, I don't as a Rangers like hater. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got Tyler Mott also, which we'll we'll talk about a little bit later. Oh, wow. Little teaser. That's right. Uh but yeah. uh All right. Yeah. Next game. On to, on to the Avalanche. Uh, no yeah, Kale so McCarr. One, yeah, no Kale McCarr for Colorado and they managed to win it win it anyway. Uh 6-5 in OT coming back from down 3 nothing just like the Rangers had done. Uh starts with an Oilers goal. A Yanmark feeds a Fogel in tight right through Josh Manson skates. And then we move along to the the second period where Warren Fogle uh, gets uh, a second goal 
Yeah. Uh, Darn on their uh, feet in Max string and slot uh. from behind the net. I don't know if Warren Fogel's ever had a, a two goal game. Don't know, look that up on uh, on his game log. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or not. Sure. It really doesn't matter. Hey, the, you know what? Yeah, you, you, I'll do it. You you carry it away. I'll fucking look at Warren fucking Fogel's game log this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll quickly summarize the game while I'll tell you look at Warren Fogel's game log. All right, then it's Dry Saddle scored again on a one timer feed from RNH. Uh, making it three nothing Oilers and Drysdale actually at this point uh, is still on a four game goal streak, uh, which is you know notable I guess they mentioned it on the broadcast. It was uh, McKinnon getting Colorado on the board, circling around the zone, uh, takes a shot, goes off JT Comfer who gets credit for the goal. Uh, then uh, we see some vintage Cody CC uh, as <laughs> classic Valerie Nachushkin tries to feed uh, Matt Nieto recent acquiree, but Cody CC kicks it straight into his own net. You love to see it. Uh, three two Oilers. Uh, Tyson Berry gets uh, another goal that kind of like flows through traffic. And then in the third period, it was uh, McKinnon streaks in, gets a goal short side around Cody uh, CC. Yeah, mind you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that was right around. That was he skated right by Cody fucking CC. Just wanted to shout him out. I thought it was. I thought it was Kulak. I thought. Oh, or, it might have been. I don't know. I have CC in my notes. I could have mistyped it. But go ahead. All right. Uh, anyway, yeah, then uh, Matthias Janmark, uh, shades of Al McKinnis, walks in and rips a slap shot, makes it 5-3 Oilers. Halfway through the third, Avalanche down by two. Good thing the Oilers are garbage defensively, and good thing Jack Campbell is uh, soft along his post because Logan O'Connor jams in a puck that should have been frozen and squeaks in, and then Arturi Lekkinen uh, tips in the tying goal. 5-5 tie with four minutes to, to play. We go to overtime where Miko Rantanen, was around Jim Hopkins and Hyman and Darnell Nurse. And Jack Campbell, I don't know if you noticed this, was so far out yeah. of his net that Rantanen basically just skates around him uh, and and shot it into the open net. It was That's almost right. like like when a team has pulled their goalie late in the game and like the defenseman is like half trying to play goalie. It's almost like Jack Campbell was positioned that way. Like he it's not just that he's giving up a lot of goals, but like he looks bad doing it. Oh yeah. He he bit so hard on that shot, it was it was incredible. Um, people need to, he, I think he was like a full like two creases out of the net. It was it was nuts. Um, and yeah, like you said, wide open net, just to skate a bit further, and uh, ran to an easy goal. And a note on Warren Fogle, you'll never guess. The last time he had a two goal game was we don't even have to go past the month of February, fuck, because uh, whoa, February seventh scored two goals against the Red Wings. Um, there we go. There's your update. Thank you. Thank you very much for that update. You're welcome. And you know, you're not the only person who's been looking at game logs today because I have a question for you. Please. Go ahead. Connor McDavid has played 57 games this year. Yeah. In how many of those games did he not score a point? <laughs> um, hmm. uh, I'm going to say 10. That already feels too um, high, but go ahead. That number... That yeah. number is correct for Leon Dreisaitl, but not for McDavid. Oh, man. Connor uh, McDavid yeah. has only played six games this year without a point. <laughs> they that's, were, like, that's, they that's, were. that's psychopathic. Are you kidding me? Yeah. October 22nd uh, versus St. Louis. October 24th versus Pittsburgh. That was his longest pointless drought of the year. of two, It was two games. Um, November 16th versus the Kings. No points. November 23rd versus the Islanders. No points. And But after that game... He goes on a 17-game point streak, doesn't get a point 
uh, on December 31st against the Jets, streak over, then immediately goes on a 16-game point streak, and on February 12th against Montreal last week, that 6-2 to two loss for the Oilers, no points. And now he had uh, he got points in every game this week. So if he had gotten even a single point in that game against the Jets on New Year's Eve, uh, assuming that uh, every, all the other games would have remained the same, he would have had a 34-game point streak come to an end against the Montreal Canadiens on February 12th. <laughs> that is crazy. And yet this team still kind of hovers around the playoff bubble. You know? Like, they're probably going to make it. But, yeah. To the point on, on the overall verdict on this team, obviously McDavid's doing insane things. Dreisaitl, even when he's six, scoring goals left and right. And yet, so underwhelming. And let's, you know, the forwards are, you know, Kane was out. Evander Kane was out this week. And, you know, there's some underwhelming depth. But let's talk about that defense. Because everybody's talking about it, and rightfully so. Oh boy, what a fucking train wreck. Uh, and it sure looks like to me, Cody Cece, the one and only. Not only is he signed for like two more years, fucking top pair. Yes, and last year was kind of seen as like his, wow, Cody Cece's not that bad. Which that year has proven to be, I would say, an anomaly. In Who could have seen that coming, huh? Who could have seen that coming? Um, what? Who could have seen it coming? Um, Tyson Berry, of course, despite his a uh, couple nice goals this week, is still a defensive liability. Evan Bouchard, I'd say, is their best right defenseman. He's not particularly strong defensively either. Uh, Darnell Nurse is a good player, um, but he is not the number one defenseman, the $9.25 million player uh, that the Oilers seem to expect him to be. And, you know, Brett Kulak is fine. Um, who's the sixth defenseman that I'm missing? Philip Broberg. Broberg. Yeah, Philip Broberg is not NHL ready, um, and yeah, he's he shows that time and time again. Uh, the the personnel on defense is absolutely terrible. I don't know if there's a coach in the world that could turn these players into you know defensively strong because you know it's not like those other teams where it's like oh this personnel was good defensively and then like now it looks like they're like confused system. These players have always been weak defensively, on the whole. Obviously, like you know Kulak is fine in a certain role. Uh, Darnell Nurse is fine in a certain role. Every single defenseman on the Oilers would be better suited doing something different than they're, than they're asked to be doing on the Oilers. And that's a very big problem. And obviously they were in like the Eric Carlson rumor mill, you know, and despite the fact that Eric Carlson's, you know, probably going to get 100 points if he keeps up this pace, doesn't get hurt, all that. I, I wonder how much he would actually improve the Oilers, even if you just plopped him on there without taking anything off the team, which is very strange to say for someone who's having like such a, an historically great year. But it's like, we know that he's not so great defensively. And it's like, how many more goals can they possibly score? Like, what's he get? Like, he's not going to be able to help McDavid and Drysaddle score more than they already do. Um, and what's he, he's going to, I don't know, you're going to always put him on the ice with like Ryan, Ryan McLeod, he's going to like, Eric Carlson made a great pass to Ryan McLeod, who, I don't know, scored a goal. It's like, I guess maybe that's what he's doing with the Sharks. He's like lifting up all the <laughs> terrible players. But I don't think that would be the plan if he's going to Edmonton, is what I'm saying. I really think the big problem is, well, first of all, who you're deciding to play in net. I think you put Stuart Skinner in, make him the starter this year, then I think that fixes a key problem. 
um, at least in the short term, while Campbell is, uh, you know, kind of lost. And the other problem is personnel and defense. And that's not something that can be overhauled between now and the deadline and probably not even just across an offseason. This organization is so tragic. So fucking tragic. <laughs> can never figure it out. Um, but yeah, I think Carlson, you know, you add him. Obviously, you're probably screwing your cap situation moving forward. But I think he'd present. Too, yeah. Um, a, but on the ice, I feel like he'd, he'd present a significant upgrade. I don't think that can be understated over, you know, Eric Carlson versus Cody Cece, where it's like, okay, maybe both defensive liabilities, but Cece's way more of a liability, plus nowhere near the offensive production. Um, so in that sense, and I think there's always, there's always, there's no ceiling on McDavid and Dreisaitl. So you put Carlson on the ice, and instead of, Co- instead of Cody Cece feeding them passes, it's Eric Carlson. I think that makes a notable difference. But like I was just saying, you know, you got to take the, the contract into consideration. And B, that still leaves you with five defensemen playing in o- over their heads. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's baffling. You know, this organization, the takeaway is it, it reeks of such poor, it, like it, it's run so poorly. Um, and obviously everyone talks about how they can't figure out a supporting cast around McDavid and Dreisaitl. And that's still so fucking true. It's, it's tragic. You know, they, they figured out the goaltending, kind of. And even so, they can't figure out which one's the actual good goalie. Uh, yeah. so, somehow sticking with, you know, like Stuart Skinner, all-star. Now, granted, probably not an all-star in any other division, but, you know, good enough that he's the second best in the division this year. Good for him. And yet you still can't figure out a way to get him in the net. Um, and you're playing Jack Campbell, who by every single metric in the book is having an awful season, except maybe the win category, right? Um and yeah, obviously the defense is, is a train wreck. So, you know, it's 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 just quite upsetting on behalf of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who, you know, theoretically should be just like a cheat code. But you have assembled the biggest fucking cast of duds around them, especially on defense. It's it's you know, you're like firmly mediocre. Now they're not gonna they're gonna make the playoffs, all you know, odds are, but you know, you can't trust them. And in such a weak fucking division. For a team with Dreisaitl and McDavid, it should be cake. But everyone around them sucks so hard. And the decision making is terrible to an embarrassing degree. Yeah, I would say at this point, the supporting cast really is only that bad on defense. Because like for a while, it was uh, like in McDavid's rookie year. He was on a line with Benoit Pouliot and Nel Yakupov. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's right. the type of thing he was working with. It has improved now, in the top like, six. Yeah, it has absolutely improved. Nugent Hopkins is having like a career season uh, at age uh, 30. I think he's about 30. Uh, Zach Hyman's over a point a game as well. You know, they brought in Evander Kane last year, made a big on-ice difference. Um, so, you know, they're and last year they made it to the conference finals, you know? And because of how terrible the Western Conference is, like the Oilers could not solve these problems and like make the Stanley Cup final, you know? 100%, yep. It's a similar conclusion we drew with the Wild last week. Right. Well, I don't know if I drew that conclusion. <laughs> Not sold on the Wild. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. You, know, yeah. you did too, because we were like, yeah, yeah. Should the Wild don't look very good. But like, look at what they would be up against in the playoffs. Like, are they playing the Stars in the first round? We said, that's only Dallas. Like, it's not. Yeah, they could true. be Dallas. They could be the Jets. You know, they could, they could make a run. Yeah. Okay. If that. Wow. I really. Yeah. We did pull that conclusion. 
This is a very this is extraordinarily weak. I think I like I see I keep seeing these West versus East comparisons on my timeline nowadays, and it's truly abs- like I think what the top six teams right now points wise in the and it, overall all Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, and you know, yeah. okay, little tangent here. I would like to have yeah. if I may. Please. I'm I'm so confused because so you know like these stars Crosby and McDavid we haven't really talked about it but not that long ago they were like we should go back to one versus eight in the playoffs and I was like oh the big star they're finally speaking out that's crazy um which for whatever um but I'm surprised especially based on the disparity in the conferences I've seen no motion for uh the one through sixteen seating option um because you know. There are, you know, every year, like, people will talk about the Leafs or whatever. And, like, oh, it's one fear they have to play the Lightning. Right now, as it stands at this very second, uh, if you're a proponent of 1v8, the Lightning are actually a very favorable favorable matchup for the Leafs. Because by points percentage, the Leafs are, uh, the Leafs are what are they, fourth in the East, and the Lightning are sixth, whereas the Rangers are fifth. So if you were going 4v5, as in now Toronto would be playing the Rangers, who are better than the Lightning. Um, so right now the Leafs, you know, should be like, yay, this division is helping us. And I know it doesn't necessarily feel that way. And part of the reason it doesn't feel that way is because if you seed one through 16 in the entire league, then guess what? Toronto's still fourth and Tampa's still sixth and Toronto should be playing whoever's 13th, which is like, uh, like, uh, well, by points percentage, I don't have any sort of, but something like, uh, I think it's the Oilers actually. Uh, off the, just trying to do some quick uh, reading. I think it's the Oilers. I think it sounds like much more. No, one, two, three, uh, four, points. Oh, by by points, points, not by okay. points percentage. All right. Yeah, which is which? The Oilers doesn't that seem like a much more fair first round matchup for the team that's fourth in the league? I think it does. And you know, I mean, if you're talking about you know fairness and like balancing the bracket, I think like what's the reason to not be able to like crisscross conferences uh, all throughout the playoffs? Uh, is it travel? Um, in that case, uh, you know, like, I mean, Vancouver and Nashville are in the same conference. So like, I just, I don't see that as like, uh, as like a big question. Is that like really the one reason why this is almost never proposed? Yes. I, th- <laughs> I think it is. But that um, sucks though. Just, yeah. Who can just well, travel farther? Like, I don't know. Teams play each other far away from each other all the time. <laughs> I get it, but you know it's it's, it's taxing. You want to minimize that kind of well, not not only yeah, you you want to minimize that travel time, you know, both for the players, but also like time zone wise. And I think in that case, yeah, in that case, I'd say copy uh, baseball, where it's instead of going you know the two two one 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 like the NHL does, do two at home, three on the road, and two at home. Yeah, but you know, three hour the three hour time difference. That's like that's pretty major. Now, granted, they do that do that for one round, but it's only one round. It's not like four rounds. You know, imagine you have to go back and forth between like Eastern and Pacific because you got screwed over by the matchups for four for like a month and a half or two months. Okay, oh, the, here's here's my next proposal then. Okay, because I see your criticism. Yeah, you know, the idea of you know the top seed picks the opponent. Sure. Top seed picks the opponent, and they can pick from any of the top sixteen teams in the league. They don't have to be confined to their own like conference or division. And then if you know, say Boston is like, you know, maybe they're like, we want to play Minnesota because Minnesota sucks, or maybe they're like, uh, we want to play 
Buffalo because they're closer and also they suck. But like, so that's maybe that's a bad example. Maybe they ra- let's say maybe they want to play. They would rather play Pittsburgh than Minnesota just because it's closer and that's their prerogative. Yeah, I I can get behind this idea a hundred percent. Um, I think, but it's never gonna happen. I think that's a fine alternative. You know, anything involving you know this this whole like winners pick situation, I fuck with that. I think that's a, that's a great and entertaining solution to everybody fucking complaining about the seating every single year, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen. But you know, I I I do say the the one to sixteen has issues, but. Yeah, I don't see the. I don't, I don't, it's like, do people ever do the math? Why are you ragging on the division format? That's not the issue right now. Um, I, I I do get your point on that. Well, it is it is an issue in the like it's been a problem in other years, and you know, it it, it is kind of the issue in the sense that like it sucks, even sure. though it's not necessarily making, uh, is not necessarily like the reason for the unfair matchups now. But it's not the issue this year, is what I'm saying. You know, so like. I don't I don't see why people are calling it that and then pointing you know pointing to that as the issue this year when it's conference divisions and I am formally declaring my support for your idea let it be the picking you know honestly if they just did picking within conferences I'd be just I'd honestly be quite satiated with that um but this whole 61 to 16 thing fantastic idea no notes zero flaws so insane that the top six teams in the league are all in the East and the bottom six are all in the West. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. Oh, no, um, sorry. Not Columbus. Five of the bottom six. But no, still. Formerly of the Western Conference, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they, what's the difference? Count it. That's absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. But, yeah, I think I think Columbus is actually like 500 against the Western Conference teams. If I saw that somewhere. <laughs> or like very close to 500. Um, and they're like, you know, obviously awful against the Eastern Conference teams. Um, so yeah, it just goes to show. Just a strange disparity this year. Um, yeah. last, last thing on the Oilers. Yeah. I wanted to mention this interesting thing I heard from the Chris Johnston show, which is that they have been asking about whether Patrick Kane would be interested in waiving his no movement clause to come to Edmonton. You know, fill their, their hole on the right wing. Um, and I don't know. You know, money would have to go back there. I'm sure it'd be a half retained, or maybe even a you know three quarters re- like a double retention situation. And you like you know ship out Warren Fogle or something to make the money work, or or Fogle and Puyarvi. Um Patrick Kane, of course, would fit right in with the Oilers being a shit show defensively. Um, what do you, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I I don't know. I just I can't get behind. Like they're so cap strapped right now to a ridiculous degree, and then to go so out of your way to accommodate this guy's what ten million dollar cap hit. He's so cooked. It's unbelievable just how cooked Patrick Kane is with his like fucked up hip or whatever. Um, not a good idea. <laughs> not a good idea. Go get Carlson. I you know honestly I support the Carlson idea more than I support the Patrick Kane idea because you're just lighting assets on fire. You might be lighting assets on fire with Carlson. But definitely with Kane. Now, obviously, you know, he scored the hat trick, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Prior to that, looked completely unmotivated, can't skate, doing absolutely nothing, and you're just wasting all your cap management resources. Don't do it. You know, there's a part of me that oh thinks Patrick Kane won't move. Yeah. Well, wait, why'd you say, oh boy? Oh, I don't know. I thought you were going to, you're going to like be like, you know, pro. Patrick Kane, you know, somebody should acquire this guy, maybe. 
I no, thought that was a take. I think coming. any okay. team, any yeah. team that acquires this guy, uh, unless they're like taking on assets to do it, I'll be opposed to this. Correct. Because this 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 player is a liability at this point in his career, uh, and for that reason, I think there's a part of me that thinks he won't move. I'm not hearing any team showing any serious interest. It's like, oh yeah, this team asked about it. They're like, you know, kicking around, try, trying to listen, type of thing. It doesn't feel like anyone's made a serious pitch. And there was also the news this week uh, that Jonathan Taves uh, isn't going anywhere. Uh, repercussions from uh, some health issues he had. Remember, he missed the entire season uh, a few years ago. Um, and he is out of the lineup now. I'm not even sure if he's returning this year. So it's been officially announced. Uh, he's not going to get traded at this deadline. Um, that's not necessarily the main reason. I think that Kane won't go anywhere. Um, I think maybe it plays a role. This kind of like, uh, you know, Chicago thing like, oh, we can't keep one and trade the other, blah, whatever. But the bigger reason, though, is I think no one wants him. And I think maybe someone will be like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you like a fifth round pick and this terrible contract, you know. And I think Chicago would not want to make a deal with such terrible optics just for the sake of like recouping a, an asset for this, you know, this iconic franchise player. Heart Trophy, Consumite Trophy, and all that. And I think Patrick Kane wouldn't want that either. I think he'd be like, yeah, if I'm going to get traded for like nothing, that's kind of embarrassing and I'd rather not, you know? And I don't... I, I think we finally found the one player that no NHL team is dumb enough to acquire. Uh, you really think <laughs> so? Patrick Kane. I feel like you you have too much faith in these franchises. I feel I like we'd know. be hearing more if teams were really uh, interested, you know? It's it's know. almost it's so quiet. Yeah, it is really quiet. I agree. But what if we got like uh, how many days? Like less than a couple weeks um before the deadline. And you know, lots still lots of time to cook some shit up. Still lots of time for teams to think of some nonsense uh to get this guy on the team. Uh but yeah, look, I can absolutely foresee him not moving. Um I gotta say, like, he's playing through an injury, right? Like what the fuck is he doing? Uh, they're lighting trade assets on fire. I don't know why they let him trade, like play with this injury in the first place. They're tanking, quite actively tanking. Um, and what are you doing? What the hell are you doing? He's looking terrible out there. And you know this is supposed to be some sort of audition. He's completely flunking it and making him look so make himself look awful. So I think on Chicago's end, some bad asset management by not benching him and letting him heal. And yeah, now you're at the point where you have to legitimately question whether you could actually get anything worth anything. Uh, to take on Patrick Kane, because yeah, if you have to like give them so much money to get this guy on, like to, to ship this guy out, considering the cap situation around the league, that it's like it's almost like the main service isn't that you're sending Patrick Kane, it's that you're taking whatever other like bad contracts you got coming the other way, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it's and, and at that point, you might as well just be one of those, you know, cap space for picks teams at that point and keep Kane, I guess, because he's not worth shit. My hunch is that. Uh, Chicago made a very irresponsible decision, um, asset wise and also health wise. Whenever, anytime you play a player who's injured, uh, and I think what they were thinking is like, oh, if people know he's injured, then we're not gonna get anything for him. So we should just have him play, even though he's injured, and therefore his production will be worse, and everyone will be you know asking questions about his injury, and he'll have to be like, oh, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Let me go out there and have a terrible game. Oh, uh, the past two games, though, he scored a ball. I think he had a hat trick or something uh, very, very recently. Was that was that last night? Yeah, it was against Toronto last night, I think. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe now 
all the, the idiot GMs are like, calling, oh, he's back, he's good now. And maybe Chicago would be wise to strike all the irons hot if they can get like a second and a sixth or something. Yeah, this is maybe the last opportunity, huh? When, when's he ever going to have a multi-goal game two games in a row? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Strike while the iron's hot. Um, and, yeah, because uh, there there is that risk where you can't get anything, which, yeah, asset-wise, would be a disaster for a team that's, you know, tanking. So you, you'd think they want to stock mm. up on that shit. Yep. There was a player who was traded this week, though. Actually, there were a few. Who do you want to start with? Let's start with a big one. Let's start with Ryan O'Reilly. You don't want to start with Tyler Mott? No, I'd rather not. I'd rather Mott. Okay. Yeah, let's let's Tyler not start with Tyler Mott. That's fucking right. And let's go start with uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari, who brings the glory, <laughs> as you might remember. Anyway, um... So yeah, this this was the big the big deal. Dropped about eleven PM or a little before Friday night. Uh three way trade. Uh the details, you know, the big stuff is Toronto gets Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari, uh Nolachari, a pretty much uh I'd say a C or D level prospect in Josh Pilar from Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota gets a fourth for retaining a quarter of the salary. St. Louis gets a first, a second, a third, Mikhail Abramov who's a prospect more or less equivalent to Josh Pilar uh, and Adam Gaudet, who's an AHL player. So Toronto, in the end, to get Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari, O'Reilly, by the way, at cap of under $2 million, um, gave up a first, second, third, and fourth round pick, spread out over a few years, uh, and a uh, mid-level prospect and an AHLer. And obviously, you know, the big aspect there is, uh, asset there is the first round pick. But just the aesthetic of like, yeah, we gave up a first, second, third, and fourth for this. Even though it's, you know, it's reasonable. And everyone seems to think the Leafs did a good job here. Uh, it's like, it's still a lot of draft capital. Yeah, no kidding. It, it really, like, you don't really see, you know, a first and three other picks. You usually go out the window like that. Uh, that's, it, 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 you know, you, you put them all in one room. And that's a lot of fucking draft capital. Uh, for a guy who, you know, he what you'd say he's probably the third best asset available at that point, uh, after like Meyer and Chikrin. Um, so I'll grant you that. But like you know, the production, not having a good season. Now, granted, he's eaten. There's a lot of bad luck, but 20 points in like half a season. Um, he's got the pedigree and whatnot, but it does feel quite fucking expensive. And that Kyle Dubas, you know, with uh, the whole like six, seven years, all that failure, he's got an expiring contract, maybe a touch of desperation. Interesting. You're going, because I feel, I feel like the response to this has been overwhelmingly positive. It has. Uh, I'm from Toronto side of it things. It does, absolutely. Uh, and Don't I don't think that's necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I don't think that you're necessarily wrong to say that, that the team is desperate to get out of the first round. Um, and I think they should be, though, is the other thing, you know? Um, I think, because, like, you know, Matthews and all them are in their prime, and really this is the time to go all in and be desperate to win, you know? Uh, interestingly, this was actually the third year in a row Toronto acquired a captain in deadline season. Huh. Foligno from Columbus, Giordano from Seattle, and now O'Reilly. It uh, hasn't worked out yet, but the players, I would say, have been getting better and better every year. Um, and 
as far as, like, even disregarding the return, I think Ryan O'Reilly, I don't remember if I pointed this out on the show. People were, you know, saying, oh, at least you get Meyer. I always thought O'Reilly was the better fit. Um, and a big reason for that is not just, you know, the defensive acumen. He's still one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. Also, the flexibility it gives you that he can play center. And I thought, you know, you know they make him the third-line center. You've got this incredible center depth, Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly, David Kampf, uh, one of the, possibly the best in the league. Uh, his first game, though, they make him second-line center, move John Tavares to the wing, uh, put him on the left wing, and all of a sudden, you know, you finally got a top-line level left winger. And I don't think there's really a wrong answer here. I think what's really good for Toronto is that they have that flexibility that, you know, they can have Tavares on the wing. Uh, if one of those centers gets injured, then all you know you can have O'Reilly on the second line instead of Pontus Holmberg playing second line center. Uh, and Nola Chari is a, I mean, a great piece for the bottom six as well, which I hadn't realized uh, until uh, after the trade. But their bottom six had been quite flimsy. Like Aston Reese was in there. You know, he's a good, he's a good fourth liner, I guess. But like Joey Anderson and Pontus Holmberg were like practically everyday players you know Wayne Simmons would go in there sometimes uh and it was like it felt so uh whatever the opposite of meaty is it was like really this is all we've got in our bottom six so like getting O'Reilly and like you know uh which you know allows you to like push other players down the lineup and Achari as well as solid uh, I'd say it's ideally on on your fourth line in terms of the players that were targeted I think Toronto made the right choice you really think so eh I don't know if I agree with that. You know, I I think certainly an addition is very welcome uh, of, you know, of, of the caliber of O'Reilly, you know, being the third best asset. But what's the, like, I, I need to see what the asking price is on is, is on Maya right now. Um, and obviously, you know, included in that is, is moving the money required to get him. Because, you know, how much more is the gap between Ryan O'Reilly and Timo Meyer in trade? And then you compare that to, the, I think, the, the chasmic gap between them in terms of on-ice quality. And maybe I lean towards Meyer. Because, yeah, it gives him that, you know, that, that flexibility. But, yeah, Timo fucking Meyer to this team? Are you kidding me? They're going to steamroll you yeah, offensively. You know? So... I think I think the gap of asking price is way bigger than you're making it out to be. I think possible. Meyer... I want to see what I that is. I think Meyer is, was possibly like a two first-rounders and Matthew Nice type of situation. Um, and I can understand Toronto not pay, want to pay that price, especially for, you know, someone who it's a question mark if you'll be able to afford to keep moving forward. Nylander needs a new deal soon. Matthews needs that new deal very soon. And if you're locking in Meyer to like eight by eight and a half, it's like who's on the way out? At this point, it's definitely someone, you know, you can only have so many. So with Timo Meyer, it's like uh, the price reflects the fact that he's not a rental. But for Toronto, he almost might have to be. Yeah, I'm looking at the cap situation right now. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, you know, you could theoretically move some money around and try to thin some other parts of the roster. Uh, but, you know, like, say, if that was just the, the cost straight up, though, like Meyer for Meyer, like Meyer for two firsts and Matthew Nyes, I might fucking do that because they're already giving up a second, a third, and a fourth in this trade, right? Um, so, you know, is it that big of a difference when you got Timo that fucking Meyer on your just team? just off the top of my head, I'll say, but I yeah. think it is. Right. Well, yeah. you know, I guess we, we, we may or may not disagree on this. Um, but I think Ryan O'Reilly, 
may very well underwhelm considering the season he's been having. Um, not saying he definitely will, but I'm saying there's a distinct possibility that all that flexibility will be for naught if he like stinks, you know. And I don't not not like stinks, stinks, but like just underwhelming. Yeah, I could I could definitely foresee that situation where there's a lot of hype about oh you know he won the con Smythe uh, four years ago or whatever you know this type of thing, and it's like yeah you know he's only been scoring like half a point a game this year. Uh, but, you know, he's great anyway. And then he goes to Toronto. It's like, oh, he's only like scoring half a point a game this year. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's like he's been unlucky, sure. But also, you know, you can have an unlucky season. Uh, and it just seems like, you know, he has not uh, like he has not been conducive to online success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, what worries me about like giving up a high quantity of picks uh, is that you kind of lose some flexibility at the draft and like in other trades because it's like, oh yeah, it's like say, you know, there's a player that's, I don't know, worth a third round pick. It's like, oh, we already gave up our third round pick. In a sense, I may be more comfortable giving up two seconds rather than a second, a third, and a fourth for that reason, especially because the quality kind of, you know, tends to plateau around the end of the first round. Yeah, maybe. Because, uh, you know, I, I I was looking at the draft Recap draft pick recap on the cap friendly, you know, over the years, man, mm-hmm. those are some gleefully empty cupboards. I gotta say, uh, as you know, Leafs hater, he's great. Looks wait, great. Wait, what? wait, what's up? What is the uh, empty cupboards? Oh, the uh, the sheer number of draft saying, picks for the upcoming years. You're saying, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't have a first, second, fourth this year, second, third next year, second, fourth the year after. You know. It's, yeah, uh, I mean, this is it's the all in time for them, you know, and what is. they I think I think they feel comfortable, more comfortable than other teams in getting rid of their picks because they with a the few picks they've had lately, they have done a, a very, very good job. Uh, Matthew Nyes is possibly going to be on the team like this season when his college year ends. Uh, Topi Nimala coming along very well. Roni Hirvonen as well. I know uh, Rodion Amirov has, you know, those uh, those health problems, but I I think uh, actually I'm not going to say because I haven't checked recently, but I think I, there was a positive update and he was back on the ice recently. And that was a great pick. I thought as well, Fraser Mitten was kind of a weird one, but I mean, in general, you know, the, the track record has been good lately, at least with how the development's gone so far. Um, so I think Toronto can maybe be comfortable uh, with, uh, you know, with the draft capital they have, that they'll be able to find some gems. Yeah. Man, nothing would bring me more joy than to see this team lose again. God damn it! Oh, I, you think you I'm gonna me? I'm gonna pick them to win in the first round? Are you kidding Are me? Are you kidding me? Oh, Easy as I spend, I'll spend no time picking Tampa in seven. I've already decided. Nothing's gonna change my mind. You know, you know, it makes me lick my chops. The goaltending matchup in that matchup in, in that in that playoff series, Vasilevsky Absolutely. against who? I don't know. Matt Murray is he gonna be healthy? Ilya fucking Samsonov, and what if he needs a rester? Fucking Joseph Wall, ha, it's gonna be good. See, here's the thing: the great thing was like you know, we roasted the Leafs and their goal, their approach to goaltending last summer. It's turned out a little bit better than we thought it might, but the possibility is so vivid that <laughs> the playoffs come and both goalies suck ass and are like an eight fifty in the first round. I know it's incredible. What's the deal on that, Murray? You know, LTIR. I don't know. Is he, is he coming back one day? Because right now they're just uh, like, yeah. I don't know. 
It like, could. I, I mean, this is just a thought that it's like you know the LTR thing of like it will leave you there to the playoffs and maybe make another deadline addition. Okay, yeah, what a great idea. Put in Matt Murray, fucking four months cold. That would be because <laughs> like Tampa Bay Lightning. It makes me bring me. Maybe you could joy. use the rest. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, that's something to watch on. And and I I don't know if the low. I guess what's their cap situation right now? Yeah, they have like no cap space. So I can't imagine a goaltending addition is in the cards, in which case they are rolling with, you know, Samsonov, Murray, Wall. Yeah, they're not adding a goalie. Oh, boy. That is thin. They're, there's no way they add a goalie. Um, and, yeah, I think this it would be, like, kind of kind of dumb to add a goalie. It's like you've made your bed with these two, you know? Yeah, I guess you have. Like, it. who's going to be available that's any better than these two? Like, yeah. no, no one, you know? Yikes. Uh, in, I think, honestly, my if I were the Leafs, and I had this O'Reilly offer in front of me, I probably would have hesitantly and timidly accepted it too. Um, because it's, I really, I think with O'Reilly there, the makeup of the forwards looks that much better. Yeah, you're right. But I see I am hesitant to put that stamp on because there is still quite a, like, a distinct possibility in my mind that he is so underwhelming. You know what I mean? Like after this hype wears off, we're gonna be like, "Wow, that second line is should be excellent," and yet it's not, you know. And, and that O'Reilly isn't the great addition, you know, because all his achievements were like four years ago at this point. Now, not to say he's completely washed, but you know, step back and maybe we realize he isn't quite washed. I think O'Reilly does fit better as third line center rather than, you know, the center between Tavares and Marner. You know, I think. To have that balance in the lineup of like you know three lines with those three very good centers, splitting up the matchups, O'Reilly, uh, you know possibly you know, well, I mean honestly, you could actually probably still assign David Comp some like tough matchups because he's been doing very well as that like shutdown center. And then O'Reilly even offensively gets some easier matchups because Matthews and Tavares and them are getting all the the top attention. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. I, I we'll, we'll really see in their usage and. Yeah, at this point, it's uh, cruise control to the end of the season, uh, to the regular season for these people. Uh, it's really down to, you know, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm just, I'm already preparing on the lightning. I'm already watching film and all that. Of course. Because uh, it's, it is go time and I cannot wait for them to lose. The other deal that was made this week, the Rangers brought uh, Tyler Mott back. Huh. They acquired him. Uh, they acquired him at the deadline last year. What, what team was he on before? Uh, he was on Vancouver, no? Was was that not a while ago? Or am I... Uh... No, I think Weren't he was really there that recently. Yeah. Uh, let me I'm see. I'm quite confident it was Vancouver last year. I'm... Wow. That feels like a million years ago he was on the Canucks. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and then in the playoffs, he was like... He scored... I thought he was scored more... Last year with the Rangers, nine regular season games, no points. 15 games in the playoffs, two goals. For some reason in my mind, he was like this amazing spark plug in the playoffs. Maybe, I, maybe it was a like, I, good energy guy who they really liked. I was under the same impression. I was like, I thought he was a guy that was like, oh, so good during the playoff run. They had to bring him back, and that was the energy. But uh, fucking two points in 20-something games. Funny. Yeah, goes to they liked him, though. Brought him yeah. back. And they gave up dick all to do it. Julian Gauthier is a nothing player, sorry to say, at this point. And his career... Uh, he is doesn't move the needle at all in any direction, and I believe it was a seventh round pick that could turn into a sixth. 
So, I mean, I feel like, you know, for the Rangers, you gave up pretty much nothing to bring on this. Uh, I'd call him a good fourth liner you're familiar with. Uh, and I'd say, I mean, they clearly hate Vitaly Kravtsov. So now he's out of the lineup. Um <laughs> I'm not sure if I would call that an upgrade necessarily, but they weren't playing him anyway. So who did he... I guess really he took Julien Gauthier out of the lineup, and that's definitely an upgrade. So on paper, you got a little bit better, and he gave up about as as useless a pick as he could. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the Rangers get that good depth for a player that they already pretty familiar with. Yeah, I don't know what the Sens are doing. I guess, you know, whatever. They want the seventh pick. And they want to take a flyer on fucking Julian Gauthier. Uh, and he's a bit younger. And I don't think he's a UFA at the end of the year, right? So, you know. But, yeah, like you said, he's toast. Not going to amount to much. But, you know, teams always convince themselves that maybe maybe he'll be good with them. Um, so, yeah, not, not much to not much. Yeah, he's been there. traded. Uh, he's been traded twice in his career now, Julian Gauthier. Age 25, RFA at the end of the year. I don't know if you remember. In his draft year in 2016, he was the, like... Uh, he was the shooter. He was the goal scorer guy. He was, the, you know, he could beat any goalie. He scored uh, 41 goals in 54 games in the queue in his draft year. Uh, and in the NHL, he's played 136 games. You know how many goals he has? Uh, 30. 11. Okay. He is. And I bring this up not just to point out the, the numbers, but he has been known to be a terrible shooter at anything above the junior level. Or maybe the AHL, he was like, he could, but like he has never been able to come close to fig- figuring out uh, NHL goalies. Uh, no. I am i don't remember, I think the shooting percentage has like always been low, clearly. Uh, I remember the JFresh player card, at least when I checked last year, was like the first percentile in terms of finishing. Uh, he just has no finishing touch in the National Hockey League, and that was his calling card in junior. How bizarre, huh? That is that is strange. I guess maybe a bad series of coaches or something like that. Who knows? But, uh, huh, interesting. Well then. But uh, in I'll, Ottawa, I'm yeah. sure he'll thrive. <laughs> yeah. This is the piece that brings him to unprecedented success. <laughs> the you. unprecedented run of success. Yeah, any minute now. Any minute now. <laughs> now that they have first-round pick Julian Goetze on the bus. About yeah, to yeah first round pick. Yeah, amazing. Can't go wrong. Yeah, you think about it. It's actually Tyler Mott for a first and a seventh. Um, when you put yeah, it like what that. You, yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, the St. Louis just traded away Nolachari and the second round pick that Ryan O'Reilly was in 2009 in exchange for a first. So Yeah, good for them. That's an A+. Plus. The math works out. Um, oh, yeah, did we talk about that trade? Oh, yeah. <laughs> did we talk about the, the, the O'Reilly trade on behalf of the Blues? I don't think not we really, did. but I feel like yeah. it's it's quite straightforward. It's very similar to the Tarasenko analysis. You know, you're selling, you know, some of your, your top players, and the return is like, yeah, whatever. You know, we got a first. That's nice, I guess. And yeah, and uh, you know, nothing crazy. That's right. We'll see how they, if they bungle their three picks, but they have three firsts in this in this draft, right? So this should yeah, be good. That will be interesting. Yeah, and now the tank is on for them. Uh, as they, the tank uh, is so before. on for them because like. Because also, like, you know, we talked about in the Tarasenko trade, like, oh, yeah, and Mikola is involved. With the O'Reilly trade, it's like, oh, yeah, and Achari's involved. And now in practice, what that looks like is the Blues just uh, dropped four everyday roster players off their team, uh, and including two very good ones, 
uh, and now looks significantly worse for it, and will probably trade Barbashev as well. Still have Bennington and Thomas Grice as their tandem, so their own first-round pick uh, might be uh, quite higher than we're used to for the Blues. This is this is not the time to have Jordan Bennington stock in fantasy hockey. Um, yeah, I wonder if anyone. I wonder if anyone between the two of us could learn from that, and it's definitely not me because he's literally on your team, and we've talked yeah. about this before. Yeah. In December, I remember in December. You picked him up, and I kicked off her show. We were talking about the Kings, I think, because I was like, we're going to talk about a team that made terrible goaltending choices. You, your fantasy team, picked <laughs> up Jordan Bennington. Uh, and I've stuck by him through thick and thin, and there's been a lot of thin. Uh, so yeah. we'll, we'll see yeah, how we go. What are you talking about? Yeah, like two good games in, what, two months? Yeah, that's right. It brings me so much joy, though. It's so rare. Um, every time he does pop off, it's like, you know, it's a nice shot of, Great joy. Um, but yeah, we'll see whether I drop his ass in the coming days. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of interesting signings. I talked about Olimata. He got a fresh new contract extension for a third pairing defenseman. Two years, $3 million. And man, this, and, you know, they have a nice pipeline out there in Detroit on that, like what, the left side of the defense. And Jake Walman's a pending UFA. This signing more than anything honestly i think even more so than the bench rod signing it really feels like it's not happening in detroit I, I, you know like signing olimata for two years at three million dollars that's not a winning move that is a that is a like mediocre ass you know I, I i'm not getting anybody good in here anytime soon so i can spend six fucking million dollars on olimata what a mid-ass team and it's only really dawned on me now. Yeah, well, we've talked a little bit about how the Iser plan doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Red Wings, you know, they're hot lately. They're in the playoff mix. It's not out of the question they could make it. Uh, I would absolutely disagree with you on the fact that this is, like, even more so than the Ben Sherratt, uh, like, some kind of statement of bad. Because that Ben Sherratt deal is unforgivable. And Ben Sherratt is a much, much worse player than Oli Mata is. You're right. Oli Mata, yeah. like... You know, I don't think I don't hate this one. I don't. I, I was surprised by your outburst. Like, I mean, I feel like it only looks bad in the context of like you know, it has the similar vibes as the Ben Sherat one, and uh, oh, this left defenseman getting like a raise at the age of thirty or however old they are. Um, and but I think like Oli Matta's like he's a fine player on a contending team. He's probably on the bottom pair. You don't hate him as your number four if you're the Red Wings, I guess. It's not so long. Uh, is it maybe it's maybe like a touch rich, but like it's it's reasonable, I guess. You know, it's kind of a whatever contract to me. Um, but I mean, you know, you just look at the make of that defense, and Ben Sherrod is really the one who sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm not saying this is worse. You know, this is more for me. Like the the tiniest straw that broke the camel's back in terms of my perspective, because. Yeah, like the, the contract in a vacuum is okay, right? I'm not going to rag on a team for signing, you know, $3 million. But just the vibes, like it really just settled on me. You know, obviously, like this combined with the Ben Sherrod uh, signing, it's just like, wow, they are really allocating this many resources to this caliber of defenseman when if you want to compete, if you want to win a cup or whatnot, you cannot do that. You know, you will not see $3 million Ollie Matters for two years on, I don't know, fucking Tampa Bay Lightning or whatnot. Uh, you just don't. 
And yeah, just... you'll see it for Ian Cole instead. No, is that what he got? Is that what he earned? I'm pretty that... sure he's got a three million AAV. Yeah. Oh yikes! Okay, but you know, too many of the, you know one is forgivable, but now you have Ben Sherat and Oli Mata, and it just feels like it's it's too much. There's too much mediocrity on this defense. There's too much mediocrity on this team, and it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. And that's that's what dawned on me. Does Ben Sherat play a bigger role in Oli Mata and creating that vibe? Absolutely. But Oli Mata pushed me over the finish line. That's what I'll say. How about that Mikey Anderson deal? <laughs> It's fine. I I am nowhere near as passionate on the Mikey Anderson contract, despite having a much greater cap implication. Uh, eight years, four point one two five million dollars. Yeah, sure, man. Um, he's a he's a good top four kind of defensive defenseman. He's only twenty three. That cap's gonna go up. Sure, I have no issues with this contract. Yeah, me neither. Keeps him, you know, locked in until he's thirty. Sure. Uh, probably about all the way through his prime. Um, this is clearly someone who's uh, you know, very much you know, loves that stability. Kind of like Matias Samuelson in a way, similar deal. And that's about what you'd expect from someone named Michael Anderson. Seems like a very <laughs> stability loving guy. Just that's right. That. Just straight vanilla, the most boring man imaginable. Honestly, he doesn't oh, bring any offense. Small news and notes. Oh. Go ahead. Wait, did you say he doesn't bring any offense or defense? Well, like, you know, nothing happens offensively for the other team when he plays defense. Yeah, he's a low oh, event guy. Okay, yeah. Low event guy, yeah, you don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. Uh other tiny news and notes. Uh apparently the Bruins are the front runner on Gavrikov. Okay. And, you know. Sure. I've been toying with I've been toying with, you know, the Bruins as my cup pick. If they get Gavrikov, especially if they give up a first round pick, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not doing it. No way. I mean, <laughs> the Bruins, me? you know, are you kidding there's me? Just all this, whenever yeah. a team is like really good, like the Bruins are this year, there's always a talk of the deadline of like, do you want to mess with a good thing? Do you want to risk, uh, you know, messing with the chemistry? And it's a very delicate balance you have to play. And oftentimes, you know, you'll be hesitant to bring in like a big name or something and like totally change the makeup of the team. Be like, maybe we should, maybe we start to, you know, tinker around the edges and we should get, you know, a fourth liner bottom tearing defenseman someone like Vladislav Gavrikov and that's the problem with the mentality of we should bring in a worse player because we're already pretty good is that sometimes you end up bringing in a shit player like Vladislav <laughs> Gavrikov uh, and giving up way too much to do it and all of a sudden you've got this liability on your bottom pairing um, which it hasn't happened yet so I'm maybe prematurely roasting the Bruins um, but if this is really their A1 target for the deadline I you know it's kind of it's insane how many bad decisions the Bruins have made over the past ten years, and yet are still about to, you know, walk away with a President's Trophy and uh, and with with ease. Um, so I got to if Gavrikov goes to the Bruins, I'm not picking them to win the cup. Oh, That's wow. a promise. Yeah, it's, it's it certainly doesn't shine favorably on them. But I see here first headline is Bruins closing in on you know Gavrikov trade. Closing That's, in. That sounds pretty imminent. Yeah, it does. It really does. Which is, like you said, I agree 100%. Does not bode well for the Bruins. Um, you know, it just uh, it's not a good mentality. And he will likely be a fucking liability uh, that you'll spend way too much draft capital on. And that you'll wish you spent it on someone better than Vlad Gavrikov. All right. Uh, was there any other any other bits and bits 
from the news. one more thing I must yeah. tell you about. Please before we get oh that's right to, There's... yeah that's before something. we get to our draft I don't the know big what it city is. greens classic. What the hell is that? Um, do you know what the NHL is? Do I know the what what in what sense? It's a hockey league. Okay, great. Do you know uh, what Disney Channel is? I do know what Disney Channel is. They've teamed up. Oh. Uh, here it is. Interesting. Well, with ESPN as well. ESPN and Disney Channel team up with NHL for Big City Greens Classic Animated Special. Okay. Now, Big City Greens is a cartoon on Disney Channel. Uh, I don't love it. It's not it's not so great. <laughs> uh, but it's, okay. But uh, they they push it real hard. It's one of their biggest marketing, uh, you know, I guess, staples of the day. Sure. And I'm going to read this article from Deadline.com. In the latest example of corporate synergy, Disney siblings ESPN and Disney Channel are teaming up with the NHL for the NHL Big City Greens Classic, the first ever live animated NHL game telecast Featuring the Washington Capitals versus New York Rangers, ESPN Plus, Disney Channel, Disney XD, and Disney Plus will present the live animated telecast, while the main telecast will be available on ESPN and ESPN Plus on March 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Do you understand what this means? Uh, you know, I, I have one point of comparison, all right? Uh, okay. It's the, the, in the NFL, they have this like fucking Nickelodeon broadcast. And like it's like a simulcast, and they like I don't know, make it for kids, and they got like kids segments, and they got like some kids doing some commentary on the side, and like they had like fucking slime and shit, and they overlay some animations on top of the game, like that they score a touchdown, and the end zone turns into slime, and like slime cannons go off. That's the bit. See, that's not this at all. Oh wow! So you've okay. clearly. You've clearly totally failed to grasp what's going on here. Yeah, clearly. there is going to be there is going to be an NHL game happen, a real NHL game going on. Okay, and at the same time, it is going to be turned into an animated game in the style of Big City Greens. No So you way. can go like on Disney Channel oh, and fuck. watch like an animated Igor Shosturkin in the style of this cartoon doing whatever he's doing in real life at the same time. Oh man, what the heck? That's really they're gonna animate the players live. The yeah, I'm gonna read some more. The Capitals versus Rangers matchup will feature live, real-time, volumetric animation of players and teams modeled after characters on Disney branded television's Emmy winning animated comedy okay. Big City Greens. Oh boy. So I'm gonna see like big fucking city green, the character, like carrying the pot Big up. City Green the character. <laughs> like like they replace Artemi Panarin with Big City Green. And like he like shoots the puck and shit, and that's the bit. <laughs> no, I don't think it's like. For, by the way, there's no character named Big City Green, as I'm sure you've guessed. Uh, if I remember correctly, the main characters are named Cricket and Tilly. Um, but no, it's not like them doing what our. I I assume those characters will be there, but it's like, and here's Artemi Panarin and like Evgeny Kuznetsov, like animated. You know, it's it's like them animated. Okay. All right, you know what? I'll tune in. I'll watch. I'm so excited for this. It's yeah, gonna be so cool. I I'm very intrigued about what this what this possibly could mean. Um, as to the See, viewing. The, experience. the great thing with this is there's no way it's gonna be boring. You know. <laughs> That's right. 
whatever it is, it's going to be great. It's going to be great good. <laughs> it's going to be great bad. But either way, it's going to be very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm attention. surprised you hadn't heard about this because it was in the news like a week ago. Okay, yeah, no, I completely missed it. You know, I don't think I've seen the words big city and green together on my timeline once or even made, you know, made a mental note of it. So, yeah, okay. big shock. I don't know. I was just because, like, you mean, I still, like, I have that Disney Channel podcast, some people remember, and I make episodes very rarely these days. Um, but once about uh, like a year and a half ago, I did make an episode about big city greens. Uh, and in general, I like, it's not a big deal in pop culture this show as like clearly by evidence by the fact that like, you never heard of it that's right and, like most people have never heard of it and the fact that i saw like big city greens is teaming up with the nhl for a big city greens classic was such a mind fuck for me honestly it was like uh i'm, I'm trying to think of, of an example but i don't know just imagine some like very niche thing that like not a lot of people know about teaming up with the nhl for a classic it's you know it's, what? Really, you know, to break new technological ground. I I gotta say something. This is this feels like like an extraordinarily stupid marketing marketing decision by the NHL. I don't know. It just feels like they took something from the NFL, which is very successful, and everybody was talking about, it, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is so fun," and made it dumber. Not not that they partnered with the Disney Channel, but more that they picked this random ass show that nobody's fucking ever heard of. All right, maybe not nobody, but like you know, lots of people. It's not a household name. Like you had a. Uh, I, what was it with Nickelodeon? You had like I don't know SpongeBob or whatever the fuck like coming around. You know, people recognize the characters. It's a whole thing. All right. Meanwhile, I'm walking in there and I'm not. You know, there's no like what what is the overlap between Big City Green and the NHL? I failed to see any whatsoever. Which you know doesn't take away from how this may become an entertaining shit show. But I, I feel like from a smart marketing perspective, it doesn't really make sense. I you know like I don't see this unless the animation is like really really good, like. And that will be completely independent of the big city green stuff. I I don't see anybody being like, whoa, what a cool crossover. It'll be more like, wow, this looks dumb. Or like, wow, I guess they animated it okay. I'm kind of looking at it from the other side, which is ESPN and, you know, Disney, which are, you know, part of the same company. I think, uh, you know, Disney, ESPN, kind of maybe bending the NHL's arm, being like, Hey, we've got to do this to promote big city greens. I, I, I think so. that's maybe what's going on here. Maybe. You know, and, you know, big city, they're trying to, you know, because, like, I would be comfortable in saying that more kids watch the NHL than watch big city greens. And if you're, like, a little kid who's, like, a Rangers or a Capitals fan, you're like, wow, my favorite player is talking to this little character. Maybe I should watch that show. I think that's what uh, the Disney Channel is trying to pull off here. Okay. You know, we'll see. We'll see if they pull it off. What the hell is the premise of Big City Greens? Huh? What is the big, what is the city, okay. what is the greens? From what I remember, I've, I've watched like the first two episodes. Sure. These two kids and their dad uh, move from the country to the big city. Um, and then basically the the little boy, Cricket, is always trying to like, you know, go on adventures and like make things explode. Uh, and it's like, we got to learn how to live in the city, that type of thing. Okay, so it's it's and the family is like the green family. Is that why it's called the Greens? Uh it could be. Okay. That's probably it. In which case me right. saying me saying one character is hypothetically big city green, maybe not so far off the mark. Just just want to put that well, on there. 
Well, I would. It, it is very far off the mark to say someone's first name would be Big City. <laughs> you know, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And I nailed the last <laughs> name, so that's that's fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> Great, well done. Thank you. All right. Any final thoughts on the Big City Greens Classic coming up no, in under what, what, a month? I I don't remember what the date is. You got to remind me. What is it? On uh, March fourteenth. That's the yeah. day. Okay, well, you know what? You're welcome for all that free promo. I wonder, you know, green, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. It's somewhat close. I wonder if that's a coincidence. Um, I don't know. March 14th, I'm, off the top of my head, I'm I'm pretty sure that is a Tuesday. Okay. Well, what, what does that have to do with anything? Just strange that you'd have this event on a Tuesday. I feel like... I feel like any kind of classic, you'd rather have it on a, on a weekend. But Also, aren't they, I know? It's, it's a school night. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, it's a school night. Like kids have to go to bed. That's fucking right. Oh, oh god, that's nobody, ridiculous. Yeah, nobody's staying up to watch the Rangers and the Capitals. They got grade three math to do in the morning. Get out of here. Yeah. Poor, poor decision making. All right. So what else is new? Okay. So that's the big city news. News. Big city green news break. <laughs> big city news. A lot of words there. Um. Yeah. Onto our draft. Uh, we have a draft this week. It is card games. Uh, and I was, Would you I like was, to tell the people how you got this idea? I was, yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't, I actually didn't get this idea. So someone handed it to me, and it wasn't someone. It was ChatGPT, as I was telling Alex before we started recording. I fucking, what did I type in? You know, I I was, you know, we've done so many of these. I struggled to come up with ideas. So I the prompt was, me and another individual, well, after some great grammar there, want to draft items from a category as a competition. What are some ideas for categories? Uh, and yeah, I just, you know, uh, like, and then it gave me 15 and then I typed in some more and then it gave me all the way until 75. And from there, you know, picked a handful. I didn't feel like rating beer styles. So instead we are going with card games and here we are. This is, this is the future folks. I am picking draft categories based on what the fucking AI tells me. Uh, I've just pulled up a Wikipedia page called List of Card Games by Number of Cards. And it goes, Games played with 16 cards. Basca and Cop. Games played with 20 cards. Bowern Fongen, Bowern Schnapsen, Dryer Schnapsen, and Schnapsen. Games played with 24 cards. Bierkopf, German Solo, Mucken, Schafkopf, and 66. And so on. I will not what's, be using this list for the draft. <laughs> what's with all these German games, huh? Hitting the mid-teens. Yeah, there are a lot of German games that use like only a small amount of cards in the deck. Apparently, those games with uh, 16 cards, uh, you only use the aces, queens, jacks, and tens to play Basca and Cope, whatever okay. those games are. Well, you know what? I'm not playing fucking Basca. Can't, can't I'm curious. I feel like we should, at some point, we should try every single game on this list. Honestly, why not? You know, fuck with card games. They're great. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. I got to read this to you. Oh, games boy, played with it. 36 cards. <laughs> uh, I won't read the entire list. I'll just read the ones that start with a B. All right. All right. Bauer and Tarak. Bavarian Tarak. Braus. Bruce. 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 <laughs> and Bura. There's Bruce spelled three different ways. B-R-U-S, B-R-U with an accent, S, and B-R-U-U-S. Three different card games nice. that all use 36 cards. Bruce, there it is. That's what I was Bruce, saying. Bruce, there it is. And yeah. what a home run. All right, I dare you to pick any of them. 
They'd take BRWS. Uh, There's no WS, but. Du- you know, double double U, double space oh. U. You know? Okay, yeah. There we B-R-U-U-S. go. That's right. Uh-huh. I can see how I phrased it. it was extremely misleading. But, you know, that's the way it is. Mm. All right. Uh, I think you won. Did you win the last one? I can't remember. I don't remember what the last one was. Okay, you know what? Excuse me for 30 seconds while I pull up the poll from our beloved Instagram page. Um, Bruce, formerly Brausebart or Brucebart, is a very old North German card game for four players in two teams of two. It was once highly popular, but has since died out, except for a few pockets in the state of Schleswig-Holstein. As Bruce Bart, it was the ancestor of a family of similar games in Northern Europe, including Swedish Braus and Danish Bruce, which are still played today. Bruce features daring and tormenting, which has been said to give the game a certain charm. Once considered the national game of Hamburg, Bruce is a descendant of Carnufel, the oldest identifiable European card game in the history of playing cards, with a continuous tradition of play down to the present day. Oh, of play down to the present day. The game was named after the Bruce or Bruce Bart, once its top card, but now its second highest trump. Good to know. Thank you. Very informative. There is um, much more information on this Wikipedia page. <laughs> Maybe we'll play Bruce one day, huh? Bruce, as one might say. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was the furniture draft, and uh, I famously ah, yes. took three fucking kitchen appliances and bungled <laughs> it. So there you go. You won. My so you turn got the first pick. To then. go first. All right. What do we feel like doing? You know what? You got to go with poker. I fuck with poker on a major degree. I watch poker videos sometimes, not of my own accord, but just because it's, I don't know, like I'm. I, uh, I just find myself watching it, you know, for some reason or another, and I burn a lot of time. But it's fun to play. So, you know, you got to use some brains and shit. Very popular and for good reason. Poker. You know, gambling addiction is becoming a serious oh, problem man. in society oh, today. Boy, don't shame me on this. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, you know. I'm not sure Undeniable, what, you're, but- what you're supporting here, you know. I- I'm supporting the I'm game sure. of poker. I'm not supporting any sort of gambling addiction. All right. And I just want to put that out there. All right. Please make your pick. All right. I will have first pick gonna, yeah, with, my, with my first pick, I'm going to take card tricks. <laughs> if I'm allowed to. <laughs> what the fuck is that? You better let. I may not allow this. I don't know what the hell you're got going up your sleeve, but this is not tricks with cards. Isn't that not a, a fun card game? game? That's not a card game. Get out of uh, here. Fine. Pick again. Pick again. Fine, fine. I'll pick again. I'll go with this fucking goldfish. Oh boy! Oh my goodness! You are off to a rough start. Are you? Are you joking? You took goldfish. This is an embarrassment. This yes, is a I'm, changing. I'm changing my pick. I'm, no, 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 I'm no, 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 no. Oh, really? Oh, you want to change your pick? This is this yeah. is oh, okay. This is, uh, this is not Go ahead. All right. I just want to think more because I actually hate goldfish. <laughs> oh man, you know what? I'm kind of tempted not to let you go back, but I'll let you go back. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, because there are like, I don't like a lot of card. Oh, I just remembered a card game that's cool that I like. Sure, spit. Okay. You ever played Spit? I fucking played Spit. Yeah. Yeah, the thing with Spit, 
the one tiny problem with Spit is that a lot of people play by the wrong rules. But if you play by the right rules, it's it's super fun because it's it's kind of like uh, the same reason I like baseball. It's the reason I like Spit because it's kind of like a fast game at certain points where a lot of things happen instantaneously. But at other points, it's kind of slow and measured. And inevitably, you get to the point where one player uh, gets to be kind of in control of the pace. And when you're in that 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 position of power where you've really you know got control of the game, that's nice. And then you know when the other player has control of the game, and is you know getting to control like you know when the cards are going down and when they're turning, then all of a sudden it's like you've really got to strategically decide when to come back. And it's like the games can go long and they can go short, and there's much more strategy involved than this game is often given credit for. So this game's always a good time. It's so mid. What are you talking about? This is like in tenth place on my list. Um, well, well, it's just it's it's a mid. You know, it's okay. It's fun. You play every so often, but a you quickly get sick of it, and, and you know, b yeah, it's very repetitive. It's all just like okay, I put the four on the five and the five on the four, and okay, there's the smallest aspect of strategy, and all your momentum talk is is is, is out the window. Um, it's nonsense. See this thing. See, yeah. I. By that description, I'm assuming you play by the wrong rules where you cannot put a five on top of another five. Uh, I don't know. I, I play I play both ways, and they're the same to me. They're not the same, though. They're vastly different. Because in and, and the correct way of playing, okay, you can stack okay. all your fives on top of each other and put them down all at the same time. Uh, or well, not at the same time because you gotta like split them up. But you can put them down like one, two, three, right after the other, not as like a stack, of course. Um, or you can like split them up and save fives for later if you're like, if you're like putting your cards on the way down the scale and then back up the scale, you know. But by, by what you're talking about it being repetitive and doing the same thing over and over, it leads me to believe you haven't put as much thought into it as some higher level players do. You're gonna call yourself some higher level players. Um, no, okay. I'm not. It's gonna be a high. I'm just saying. I mean, clearly, I'm higher level than you. Not one of the best in the world, obviously. But if you think it's repetitive and tedious, then, then I mean, I know what what oh, message boy. I'm gleaning from that. I, you know what? I'm not. I I have already lost some ground by even getting into the weeds of this mediocre ass game. All right. No, spit is incredibly mediocre. On to my next pick, the very cerebral and entertaining and never twice the same Bridge. All right? Fuck with Bridge. Great Ooh. game. You've not, Have you played Bridge? No. Oh, it's great. And they have, there's a reason why they got like, you know, the newspapers, they got a Bridge section. There's a reason for that. It's because everybody fucking loves Bridge. Once you're in the loop, once you figure out the rules, you play some hands, you get smart. So much fun. Bridge, self-explanatory. There's nothing you can say about it. Uh, I'm gonna play. I'm, I'm not gonna play. I'm going to pick, um, blackjack. What gonna balance fuck? out your gambling stuff. That's uh, um. You have no ground to stand on anymore on that gambling. Yeah, stuff. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. Whatever. Um, but like you know, you got some casino action. Now I have some casino action. So those picks are basically canceled out. So. That's your that's your rationale. Yes, that is my rationale. <laughs> Second round, and you're drowning. You're drowning. <laughs> oh man, 
oh boy, Blackjack might be the worst game I've ever thought, ever conceived of. It's so <laughs> extraordinarily stupid. All right. You sit at a table, all right, and you get two cards, and the dealer gets two cards, and you're playing against the, you're not even playing against other people. You're playing against a fucking dealer, you're playing against the establishment, all right, and they've got an edge on you. Okay. And what's the point to, to get as close as you can to fucking 21? All right. Who gives a rat's ass? It's terrible. You just have to like, <laughs> <laughs> you have to sit there hours on end. It's about a royal flush. Like, oh, I let my cards are close to it. whatever. Who cares? No, it's significantly more entertaining. The range of outcomes and you're playing against other people. Meanwhile, you're playing against some schmuck employee who doesn't even want to be there when it comes to blackjack. And and, and the, the whole point is the same thing. It's just get as close to 21 as possible. And it's like robotic. Well, there's it's also, like, the, bla- you kidding there's me? also the version of blackjack, which is actually more prominent where you do play against other people. <laughs> And it's just like, you know, the dealer is just there to like deal. And it's like, oh, whoever can get closest to 21 is, you know, the winner I of the round. To believe, I refuse to believe this is the more prominent version of Blackjack. I think you're blowing smoke up my ass. Of course. Yeah. I'm blowing smoke <laughs> up your ass. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I, I refuse to believe this. And somebody just needs to fact check. I don't care. Just, just make this your is, pick. This is awful. Um, next, next one. It was fun, old maid. Underrated game, um, and I bet you regret with all your heart that you didn't pick this fucking game because There's so many card games I never played. Like I don't know how you play old maid. You never played old maid. It's like it's, I've never it's ex- old maid. Extremely simplistic, and yet extremely fun. So basically, the principle is you have a certain number of players, right, and. You have you just distribute the entire deck amongst them, except you take out, say, I don't know, the queen, right? One queen. And then you go around right. and you like basically you you go around and you pick from the person to your left, and then they pick from the person in their left, and you're trying to make pairs. And once you make pairs, obviously there's an odd number of cards, and whoever's stuck holding the queen at the end is loses, you know? Oh, I think mate. I haven't played that before. But that actually sounds really fun. That was a good pick. Well, yeah, thank you. It's great. I think I don't know if you were there when we played it in Cuba, but it was a whole deal. It was a whole thing, and that's uh, good. Good well, shit. Fun game. Now. Got like, oh, I think your mic changed, huh? Oh yeah, sorry, I got disconnected for a second. Am I back? All right, we're back. Have solved the mic issues. Uh, you were just talking about old maid, right? Yeah, it's a blast. Yeah, and no, then I made my pick. Oh, I don't know if you heard. I didn't hear it. It was Uno. Oh, it was Uno. Okay. Yeah. I picked Uno. Uno rules. Everyone loves Uno. Uh, you got those fancy colored cards. You got the reverse Uno card as a whole meme. Um, all sorts of things. You get to you know do a plus four. You get to keep track of your scores long term. You're like, hey, we'll play like three games tonight, and we'll continue next week, and we'll like you know keep count of our scores. Uh, it's, it's a great time. And we've also, I don't know if you ever played Uno Flip, but it's a whole new element where, like, basically you got to, uh, the cards are double-sided and, like, the opposite side are different colors with, like, different things that you can do. Um, and so then there's this whole element of, like, trying to look around the table and seeing the backs of other people's cards so that when they flip over, you know what cards other people have. Uh, and it's this great new 3D chess type of thing. Um, so I got both of those options under the Uno umbrella. Uh, this is an excellent pick by me. Uh, you know, Uno's fine. It's okay. But you know what I take issue with Uno with? You got to bring your own fucking set of cards. You got to bring Uno cards with you, right? Um, and it's like, 
Do I bring the cards? Good thing everyone has Uno cards all the time because it slaps. No, it, that's not the case. What if what if somehow you could bring the cards and yet bring the essence of Uno with you? And that I was waiting for you to take make this pick because I am now going to take Crazy Eights as my You mean the worst version of Uno that No that people no, are like, oh, you're playing Uno instead? The better version of Uno. Because it's better. more boring version of Uno. No, you're wrong. And this is I don't know what your your the appeal with is Uno that Crazy Eights can't cover, and the fact that you can just play Crazy Eights with any old deck of cards, and you don't have to go and buy Uno branded fucking cards that are overpriced. I'm sure, and instead you just buy dollar store cards. You can play Crazy Eights. Big boon. Basically the same game. So what you're saying is the great thing about Crazy Eights is accessibility. Yes, and it's also Uno. It's the same thing as Uno. I will admit, so by, Uno's by this good. logic, by this logic, like water out of the faucet is better than like chocolate milk because it's just easier. We should just all take the easy path in life. Oh, we should just all, you know, in bed all day and just never do don't, anything. Don't you dare! Don't you dare twist my words like this. All right, this is the first. You're soft. You're soft. You don't want to try hard to play your card you games. Me? Okay, you know, you're not willing to put in any oh, effort. Christ. No, I'm saying... Kids these days, <laughs> am I right? Uh, no, they're the same. They're otherwise equivalent, all right? Chocolate milk... That is absolutely not true. Not there's, in, in Crazy 8s, there's no reverse card and switch direction sure card. There there's is. no shuffle the deck card. You there's, can, no, you can incorporate... First of all, there are reverse cards. I think if you... You can just... I'm not playing the right version of Crazy 8s. You have, like... You can say the queens are skips and the whatever and the whatnot. So you're saying you can make Crazy 8s better by making it closer to Uno. You're proving my point. No, I'm saying... I'm not saying that. I'm saying Crazy 8s and Uno are equivalent except for their accessibility, which is favored no. towards Crazy 8s. That's what I'm no, saying. No, you are saying... You are modifying, you are artificially modifying Crazy Eights into something it isn't no. to make it closer to Uno and therefore more fun. Wrong. I actually, I believe the correct way to play Crazy Eights is as I'm describing it. So. No, the queens aren't a reverse card. You just made that up. You're no, just making I didn't, stuff up. I didn't make that up. I've played that version before. I've had other people tell me about that version before. I don't know if it's queens or reverse or skips or whatever, the whatnot. But also, it lends itself to be pliable like that. The crazy eights, which is good. You can add modifications as much as you want. It's flexible, all right? And you See, can make... Uno literally has a built-in card that's like, the players will decide what this card does. And so your modification specialty is off the table now. But fine. But I'm saying otherwise, it's identical. So I'm taking identical pick, good card game, but mine is better. You know that's not true. And that's okay. Because know. the pick that comes after Uno should be worse than Uno, theoretically. Okay. You're wrong. My but... turn. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to pick Mal. Mal's a great game. Everyone loves it. Uh, you got uh, one chairman who decides all the rules and doesn't tell anyone. Then whoever players can figure it out first, get a massive upper hand. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever played this before. But basically, uh, whenever you make a mistake... Uh, the chairman, who can't win, by the way, because that would obviously ruin the point of the game, is like penalizing you by giving you a card and telling you why. Uh, card for uh, for not, I don't know, naming a famous duo when you put down card number two, except they would just say card for not naming a famous duo. And you have to infer, oh, I guess I have to do that every time I put down a number two, some kind of rule like that. And you have to be extremely perceptive. And the other great rule is you're not allowed to talk. So it's very silent. And you can get a card for talking. And then at the end of the game, everyone talks about how crazy it was and all the thoughts you had throughout the game. It's a great time. 
not a decent game, but not as good and as interesting as Hearts, the famous Microsoft game, the banger. All right. Wait, wait. What are you talking about? First of all, I'm just waiting for you to pick Go Fish. Right? There's just a game it. called Hearts. Yeah, there's a game called Hearts. It's fucking lit. All right. You want me to explain it to you? Uh, basically, all right. You everybody gets 13 cards, and you go one at a time, and you play a card, and you know, like the first person plays a certain suit, and then you have to follow suit. Except if you can't, and then you can play something else. And the point, and then you, if you, if you have the highest one, you take the all four cards and you play the next card. And the point is to not have like the hearts cards within the tricks that you win, but also the queen of spades. And you know, you 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 tally up the points like that, and then you play consecutive hands, and you know, you keep score. Like who you got this many hearts, you got this many points in this round, and then it's like first one to hundred loses, and the when someone reaches a hundred, person with the least points wins. And it's like one of the the big games on you know all those Microsoft computers like circa like 2010, 2015. It's great fun. Excellent game if anybody's played it. All right, uh, I'm gonna pick Bruce. <laughs> oh boy, he is so desperate. This motherfucker is so right. desperate. I don't know if you ever played Bruce before. It's a great game. I've had fun with it all the time, every day. Uh, I'm going to read you the rules from Wikipedia. The rules have changed over the years with new features being added, such as double and triple tricks. But the old signaling scheme and lively communication between partners, including bluffing and blustering, has gone. The latter very much feature in the Brausebart Song of 1800, which is the earliest description of play and was interpreted by Fight in 1907. Uh, The following gives an outline of the earliest known rules from 1885, followed by early 20th century and modern rules as played in Schweising and Treya. Uh, so that rule section actually didn't talk about the rules at all. But basically, okay, here we go. Players are dealt three what cards each. fuck am I listening and to? Re- <laughs> and the rest are placed face down to form the Haufen, the stock, or the, I guess maybe the stack. It is likely that play is clockwise and that forehand leads to the first trick. But Zahn is silent on these points. He does confirm that the trick winner leads to the next and that players replenish their hand after each trick, the trick winner taking the top card from the stock and the others following in turn. And there's a next section called daring and whacking. Um, So a player can say, a player who has the toller hoon may play it saying, I dare. And the team earn a bonus if the dare is successful, i.e. it is not beaten by Bruce Bart. <laughs> but concede... <laughs> but concede if it is whacked by Bruce Bart. Likewise, Bruce Bart may be dared and is successful if not whacked by Spitzkopf. Oh, God. Uh, Scoring is recorded in the traditional way by chalking Uh, tally marks in the form of lines or strokes on a slate. A team that takes at least five tricks chalks up one line. If they win the first five in a row, this is uh, Jan, and their opponents are licked or thrashed. (laughs) And the winners scored two lines. Um, yeah, I love this game. I play it all the time. Uh, with yeah. my friends and family. Um, 
Yeah, I love when Spitzcroft fails the dare. That's my favorite part. Um, <laughs> yeah, like getting whipped and thrashed and shit like that. <laughs> that has to be a metaphor. There's no way that's real. Oh man, I don't. I don't see a direct metaphor personally. I, I don't see how it could be anything else. Um, no, I gotta but say. But like all that's meant is that like when you take a card out of someone else's pile, that's you're licking them, and when you're giving them, that's a thrash. This is true. Don't fact check this. It's true. <laughs> Man, this is yikes. Because usually when you have a clown pick like this, it's the last round. You still have another pick. You still have another pick to go. Yikes. Meanwhile, I'm gonna be taking with my six pick. A game I'd completely forgotten up until. You started, I don't know, going on your soliloquy about Bruce. Um, I, I'm going to go with bullshit. Have you ever played bullshit? See, swearing is a big problem in society today. Oh, oh quit it. Quit and it. I don't know what you're trying to, uh, you absolute to promote here. Hypocrite. You talk about the gambling. He takes blackjack, the most, the most luck-based degenerate game of all. And then all of a sudden, he's grandstanding about fucking swearing. Get out of here. I know you're full of shit, but still. Just of course I am. Revel in how good the pick is. Do you know how to play the game? I played like once ever. Oh, basically, I have to like. You have like someone. Yeah, oh, I have. And I remember having a good time. You, you made another yet another great pick here, yeah. I have to say. Thank you. He had a great time. Even he admits it. I can't say. I have to be reminded. I have to be reminded of the rules, but okay. I remember I enjoyed myself. Yeah, but I can't say I've ever had a good time playing Bruce. You know, I don't know if it was the licking or the thrashing. You've never had time played, playing Bruce. Or the fact that I've never, never played it. But it's something about it is just putting me off. Anyways, uh, the, the point of bullshit is to get rid of all your cards, right? So you have a whole bunch of cards. And the first player has to put down, you know, their aces, right? And they say they can, but they put them face down in the middle of the, the, the circle. And they say it's a certain number of aces, right? So they put a certain number of cards down. They say that number. Yes, say, yes, yes. And then it's like you're trying to get your cards, uh, you know, you're trying to get rid of all your cards. So that's the principle. And then you can call someone out. You think someone's lying. It's like bullshit. And you turn over the cards. And if you, if they were telling the truth, the person who called bullshit takes all the cards in the middle pile. And you go like that. And if they were lying, then they take all the cards. And it's first one to get rid of all their cards wins. Yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah. Uh, with my final pick, I honestly am shocked that this game is still here because it's a great one. It's three card shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? Enlighten me. You never heard of three card shuffle? I've heard of See, all the rules. Oh, man. You know, yeah. oh, I've had so much fun. But it would take too long to explain like what the game is, go into detail. But like, trust me, trust me, bro. It's, it's I totally didn't like make this up or anything. Like, you just gotta, you gotta believe me on this. Oh, Three card shuffle. You liking this? You liking this? Yes, this is my pick. It's locked in. I, I, you know, I, I let you, I let you take Go Fish back as your first round pick, and this is, this is how you make up for it. You, you, you give me this <laughs> fucking bullshit. Oh boy. Oh, oh man. man. Three card I, I, shuffle. Yeah, three card shuffle. Um, that's that's a oh, game. I'm gonna destroy you this week. Yeah, ah, man, what the hell happened here? This is a massacre. <laughs> uh, this is probably the most lopsided draft we've ever had. Um, I'm I'll blame it 
partially on my exhaustion and my lack of preparedness and the fact that, that I have played, like, most of the games you picked, I've played, but I've only played, like, once or twice ever. Yeah. Uh, which is too bad, because I should play m- more card games, because they're fun. Yeah. Which is games. the ones you picked. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we settled it. But yeah. Promise you go. We gotta um maybe in like a group of four. Uh, we j- gotta try playing Bruce at some point. Sure, man. I'm I'm down. I'm down to try this out. Three card shuffle and three card shuffle. <laughs> we gotta play. Yeah, if you can sort the rules out, the three card shuffle. I'll play with it. I'll play three card shuffle. Yeah, it's a great game. We just it's have the to, rules. We just have to find the rule book somewhere, right? It's just oh, I know the rules. I'll just it'll take so long to. I don't have time to explain now. Oh, don't okay, worry. okay, but for another time, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, and uh, for, yeah, totally. For yeah, sure. If anybody, if anybody yeah. else wants in, huh, on three card shuffle, just let us know. Yeah, we'll. we'll, we'll... Yeah. Oh, actually, I'm. I'm actually. I'm pretty busy. You know, like doing things. Maybe I probably won't have time to explain you the rules. You know, it's... ever in your entire life. Yeah, it's like don't even reach out. Don't bother. You know, no. don't look it up online either. It's very like underground game you probably won't find much it's a very like secret type of thing okay all right yeah okay interesting by underground you you sure you don't mean like six feet under it's not uh completely dead no no it's very like it's only like a select society knows about three card shuffle okay just the elite all right wow just the elite eh? well way to feel make me feel excluded um but yeah well i don't know what can i say I'll look at the, I'll look at the three card shuffle, uh, and you know what? When I put up the poll this week, I'm gonna the, the you know you can put sound on these Instagram stories. I'm gonna put the recording of you admitting that my team is better, and people can don't do that. Come bask in that and make their don't pick do accordingly. It. I'm joking. I I, I won't. That'd be nice. Yeah, but uh, you know what? I, what I, you should I, put up is my audio of me saying how a th- great three card shuffle is. Yeah, or or just licked and thrashed on a loop. While people have to, <laughs> to pick, the, the only way they get out of that story is if they vote in the poll. Um, <laughs> the only way they can understand the context is by listening to the episode. That's right. I make the entire story a link, uh, and so to click past the story, you have to click on the link, hit like yep. and subscribe, and that that's a beautiful Absolutely. segue into the promos for this mm-hmm. week. Unless you want to add anything, uh, nope. Uh, that's it. Thanks for listening. Oh, we got to pick a team. What team should we pick? Ah, let's see. What do we got? Mm. We don't want to watch. A, at this point in the year, we don't want to watch a non-playoff team, do we? Yeah, not really. What I good like teams? That, eh? What good teams have we not done this season yet? You know, please uh, give me a second while I pull up the. Okay, all right. So. Hmm. I mean, we haven't watched Toronto. Um, we haven't watched Tampa Bay in almost a year. It's been eleven months. I haven't watched the Rangers ever. Actually, fun fact: we've never covered the Rangers. Really? Yeah. Want to do it? Sure. Well, let's just check their schedule. Yeah, I'm on it. Make sure. On it, opening up the Rangers schedule. I, I got it. Uh. Well. Yeah, not not a great look because they've only got two games. Well, they're no. playing. They're in the middle of a game right now, and they have two games, and they're of a third one like on Sunday. So maybe another. How about uh, how about the Leafs? They just got their the Leafs, new acquisition. Sure. Oh, they're the same thing. They've got like two games this week. Uh, how about the Lightning? Unfortunately, Lightning. 
Yeah, we haven't watched them in a while. Lightning, yeah, they've got uh, three games from now till Saturday. Anaheim, Buffalo, Detroit. Okay. Weeks late, but it's okay. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, oh, we, oh, week late. I thought you said weeks late. I was like, wait, what do you mean uh, weeks yeah. late? Well, there you um, but week. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, we have our team. All right. So, uh, doing the lightning this week. Thanks for listening. Instagram, Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Vote for me in that poll. Or don't. Vote for vote for a vote for Bruce is a vote for for Woo. Uh, and yeah, that's the end of the episode. Bye bye. The end. <laughs>